Hello, welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast, hosted by me, Jack Perks. Professionally, I'm a wildlife cameraman, but I dabble in podcasting, and each Tuesday we release an episode as I have a chat with scientists, artists, filmmakers, and passionate people all about nature in a light-hearted and certainly not serious way. Welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast. I'm your host, Jack Perks. Now, if I sound a little bit groggy, it's because I am literally just getting over the flu. If you've never had the flu, you're very fortunate. It absolutely floored me. I've had COVID three times. This was way, way worse. For me personally, it was worse anyway. I couldn't move. My bones were aching. Um, I had no motivation. It was horrendous. So... If you're eligible for a flu jab, this is a public health announcement. It's not what you tune in for this for, but I would say get yourself a flu jab. And even if you're not eligible, you can still get a flu jab. I will certainly be getting one from now on because I've never known anything like it. It was horrific. Um, Anyway, that's my excuse for why I sound sound groggy. In today's episode, I was talking to Rupert Collins. Now, Rupert is the creator at the Natural History Museum for Ichthyology. So he deals with all the fish. And he was very kind enough to invite me to go to behind the scenes at the Natural History Museum and go and see what's called the tank room. And it's basically a room full of specimens. All the weird and wonderful stuff that gets sent into them, that gets collected, is there. So I was like a kidney candy shop in today's episode as I headed down to London to go and see all that. Now, as always, if you can support the podcast via buymeacoffee.com, that is, I'm struggling to talk. <coughs> oh, God, I thought I was going to get it all out then. Oh. <laughs> oh, I am feeling a lot better now, but the, the chesty cough's still there. Um, if you can support me and, and help me afford healthcare, um, that's great. Uh, buy me a coffee is, is the only way that I get any money from this podcast. I'm not sponsored. That means I'm independent and I can say and do what I like. So if you can donate something to buymeacoffee.com, Uh, To help keep this podcast going, that is greatly appreciated. I'm also going to start doing something um, a bit different at the end of podcasts, where I'm going to suggest a video for you guys to watch from my YouTube channel, because I realise there's like, I think there's 850 odd vids on there, so it's a lot to sift through, Um, but I'm going to kind of pick some of the best ones that I would suggest you guys to, to go and have a look at, and if you're feeling particularly generous, you could subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is called Chasing Scales. Back on to today's episode. So I headed down to London to go meet Rupert. I've always wanted to see behind the scenes at the Natural History Museum. They've got some incredible specimens there. If you're an angler, that's where the rod caught records get um, verified there. Sometimes some of the record fish get sent there. There are some really, really special specimens. Special specimens. It was just, just incredible. Just absolutely incredible to see some of these species and the size of some of the fish in there. Some of the them that are quite significant in angling history, as well as just general weird and wonderful stuff. So it was an incredible experience. Here's our chat. So Rupert, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Do you want to just say who you are, where we are, and what you do? Okay, so I'm Rupert Collins. I'm Senior Creator of Fishes at the Natural History Museum in London. And today we are in the Tank Room, which is our behind-the-scenes large wet collection storage area where we, where we keep all of our biggest spirit specimens 
when I mean spirit specimens, these are specimens preserved in, in fluids and particularly in alcohol. It is a sight to behold. That's why it's a little bit echoey if you're wondering why it's a bit like that. I don't think I've ever seen this many dead fish in one room, which I suppose is maybe not that surprising. And everywhere I look, I keep, my eyebrow keeps twitching like, oh, that's something unusual, that's something unusual. Um, I mean, where to start? So how do you preserve them then? Because they're all in this sort of kind of uh, sepia-looking liquid. Mm. So how, what's, what's stopping them from turning into mush? So, I mean, effectively, this is an experiment that has, is still ongoing. And <laughs> the very first human anatomists back in the sort of 1600s started experimenting with preserving human body parts in, in spirits, in alcohol. Um, before that, specimens tended to be dry. We got, we got a fairly large dry collection of fish as well, and that's the sort of the, the typically mostly Victorian taxidermy. But in general, we've over the years moved over towards spirit preservation, which is, seems to be the best, most effective way of preserving a specimen. Um, for a long period of time, and it's—I mean, some of these specimens, you know, date back to the late 1700s. Wow! Um, and they are still still in very good condition today. Um, the thing that mostly influences the, the quality of the specimen today is the quality of the specimen when it went into the jar. Right. Okay. So if it was a ropey specimen that went into the jar back then, it's going to be a ropey specimen today. But if a, if a perfect specimen goes in, went in initially, then it's still going to be in good it's condition at the moment. Um, one unfortunate downside of using alcohol is it leaches the colour. Yeah, they all, they all look a bit um, muted, I think it's a polite way of putting it. Beige. <laughs> yeah, various shades of beige. Which is a, yeah, it's a function of the, of the alcohol, which, which extracts the... Um, Better a beige fish than no fish, though. Exactly. But you, you even, you, you can see the colour pattern, especially blacks, the black pigmentation, mm. melanophores, you can, you, can, you can still make those out on sort of 200-year-old specimens. So the black... Coloration is usually the last to go, um, but red sort of colours, more vivid colours like red, um, generally go within often within sort of hours or days of being oh, fixed. Oh, really? Um, so nowadays we try and see photograph everything before we before we preserve it while it's alive. And but before the before the advent of cameras, people would just write descriptions. What colour it is? They even yeah. have sort of colour reference charts of how to describe different colours and. And what that means. And there's a whole sort of taxonomy of colours yeah. that they used to use for describing specimens. Probably more so for um, for flowers and plants than for fish. Mm. But it was it was used for fish. And you know, Charles Darwin had a had some quite detailed notes. And we have some of Charles Darwin's fish. Really? He oh, collected well, over, over. If that's not a segue, I don't know what is. Let's go and have a look at Charles Darwin's fish. How, how many specimens have you got here? You must, you must have absolutely thousands, wow. surely. We have 1.2 million fish specimens, okay, approximately. I was, I was a little bit off. That's <laughs> <laughs> Not in this room. This is, no, I was going to say. <laughs> seven floors in this building. Wow. Um, and the fish are, we have three and a half or two and a half floors of fish. And that is five and a half kilometres of shelving and about 150,000 jars and about over a million, about 1.2 million specimens, approximately. Because they've not all been counted. So how... We're just standing in front of Darwin's fish, but before we talk about that, how do you choose one fish from another? Like, is it like, well, this is a nice-looking fish. This fish, no way. Like, how are you? How are you picking them? It is. It has over the years has changed quite dramatically. Yeah. How fish are collected. Back, you know, when the when the main collecting boom happened, sort of mid 1800s in Victorian period, there was very much a sort of 
religious kind of, um, you know, God made the world and all its creatures and we're just here to, you know, collect one of each. Okay. And that was effectively their goal, you know. They would collect one of each different species and then once they've got, you know, an example of that in a museum, they'd try and collect the next one together. It's like extreme twitching. Yeah, all of God's creatures under one roof. Um, And over the years that has, you know, changed dramatically now until we sort of, you know, all of our collection is research-driven. Yeah. And we, we collect things that are... You know, we don't need another, um, probably don't need to collect another roach or something, for no, instance, okay, just for yeah. the sake of having a roach. Yeah, yeah. But then, but having said that, time series are quite interesting. If you have, you know, roach collected over See if there's any change in genetics or whatnot. Exactly, you know, yeah, lots yeah, of pollution yeah. and all these kind of things. So yeah. it's, it's, it's good, but we, generally there needs to be a reason to okay. collect something. That, that makes sense. So we don't just sort of go around, you know, depleting the season. No, well, that, that, that's very good of you. So we've got... <laughs> We're looking at some fish here. So th- this one's Latin name. I'm not even going to attempt... Uh, try, 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 try. <laughs> Trocopus darwinii. Trocopus darwinii. I could probably manage darwinii. Okay, mm. so this is, this is Darwin's fear. He collected this, did he? Or he discovered it? Or? That would be collected, uh, collected by Darwin and named after Darwin. Yeah. And what's more, these are type specimens. So all of these, um, all of these jars with yellow, um, yellow lids, yeah. this means they are type specimens. A type specimen is are the the original specimens, the unique specimens that were used to describe that species. So if you want to describe a new species, you have to you have to give it a name. Okay. And so if you want to give a new species a name, you have to have some specimens that you're basing that name upon. Right. To prove, I guess. To prove, yes. Yeah, yeah. Just as a reference. Basically as reference points for that species. So Got you. that, so for example, this, yeah, this is Trocopus darwinii. Can't that name Trocopus darwinia can't apply to any other fish, any no. other species than this one here? You can infer that other ones you collect from the wild belong to the same species as this one, but that's that's just an inference. But this one is the one that has the name. So there's only one specimen that gets the name. Got you. But and the rest are just assumed to be belong to the same species which usually in most cases is it's accurate, is, is accurate. Yeah. but sometimes it gets it gets kind of confusing when you've got you know badly preserved yeah cool. or juveniles or, or juveniles that happened, a, happened yeah. an awful lot they would they would be describing females juveniles yeah. males all different we, sizes if you read some of the old british um freshwater fish books they they've there's about a half a dozen extra cyprinids and they're all they're either hybrids or, or juveniles that they've I can't, I can't remember some of the names off the top of my head but yeah just just a few extras and you're just like well, where's that gone then? And yeah, it's obviously they've just got a little bit muddled. Trout are the worst. Yeah. Oh God, brown trout. Now you feel free to correct me. Brown trout are the most genetically diverse vertebrate. Is that is that right? I wouldn't surprise me. Okay. I might be making that up. Feel free to fact check me. <laughs> I'm sure I heard that I don't somewhere. Don't know that for a fact, but okay. If some, yeah, but they do come in a lot of shapes and sizes, don't would they? Would not so. be would not be surprised. They've okay. Got a, got a very large area of distribution. Yeah. And there's and they are very. Strong yeah, fidelity like a, to their ferox compared to like a Highland burn trout or something. They're gonna because exactly, yeah. some of them have even got is it like Gillaroo and they have all these weird names, don't they? And um, Charles especially. Chardu, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, there's a big debate at the moment as to whether you regard all these different yeah. morphs, as you tend to call them, as different species. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, a, there's quite a yeah. It's, there's no right or wrong answer. No, you can have you know you can just say everything from this lineage, even if it's diversified into little, into slightly different forms, or even from very different forms, and they look different, they all belong to the same lineage and they're all just one variable species. Yeah. 
or conversely, you can say each of these different variable forms has its own evolutionary history and it's yeah. a different species. There's no, there's no hard and fast definition of what a species is. No. It's just something that's, you know, useful a, by a humans. A certain group of people. Because I, I know this happens a lot with whitefish as well. You know, oh, the, the, the yeah. <laughs> your face then. Like with, um, in Wales, it's Gwynead. In Scotland, it's Powan. And in England, it's Shelley. Mm. But if you ask one scientist, they're all the same species. If you ask another fishery scientist, they're all different species. And yeah. I've not really been able to get a straight answer out of any... because no, there isn't one, no, basically. Okay. It's, it's, there's like, yeah, it's a sort of school of thought that says the species aren't real. Oh, okay. They're just a useful... I mean, I, I, I probably... There's a bit of truth in that, I think. I think there's... They're just a useful tag. Yeah, cataloging tool. Sense. Makes sense, yeah. but sometimes it just gets super messy. Yeah, I, yeah, I can imagine. Um, when, when things, it's parallel evolution is the messiest yeah. of them all. So you get these, especially with things like whitefish and chars, is you get one ancestor who was present, who sort of... Everywhere. Yeah, it was yeah. present everywhere. And then the ice sheets retreated in the last ice age and left all these separate populations of um, whitefish that colonized all these, all these lakes, the alpine lakes, especially all across Europe. Across the UK, Scandinavia, Iceland, whole of Europe is the same, and they had, and then each of them start evolving into separate, yeah, separate forms within the lake. So you get the shallow water forms, you get the deep water forms, you get the perseverous predatory forms, and they all start parallel evolving into into very similar things. So you get something that looks quite similar between one lake and another lake. But it not, doesn't have yeah. a shared evolutionary history. It's more related to the thing that looks less similar to them. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. And how do you put names on that? Then it's, it gets very complicated. Yeah, I'm glad I don't know it. <laughs> so it's, it's very difficult to yeah to, no, I, to, I, to deal with these problems because you want to recognise the genetic and evolutionary diversity of these animals. Yeah, of course. Which is what we want to do. But at the same time, you want to cause yourself an absolutely huge headache in the process. <laughs> and so a lot of these. Yeah, a lot of the Victorian scientists had described many of these you know, localised populations of whitefish and chars and trout as being different and gave them all names because they're absolutely obsessed with describing lots of, yeah, yeah. Lots of new things. It sounds good if you've discovered 20 species or yeah. whatever. You know. yeah. trout have the, I think a trout have the record as well, I think, for the largest number of synonyms. So a synonym is when... So if you describe a species and then someone else goes ahead a few years later and describes the same is not from well it could be from the same specimens that has happened quite a lot but let's assume they're from different specimens but of the same species and they think they're different but they're you know later on we find out that they're probably not different what happens you've got two different names that apply to the same things so it's always the oldest name that has the precedence okay yeah 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 right so the younger name it's called it gets sunk yeah that's what we say so the younger name is a synonym of the older name but what happens if suddenly later on then someone you know, decides, oh, maybe they were right, maybe it is a valid species, then that becomes, suddenly becomes unsynonymized and it becomes its own valid name again. Got you. No longer a synonym of the other name. It gets confusing. So, but when you, <laughs> the trout, I think, have the largest number of synonyms. Wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't just shock so, me. All across Europe, people are describing new, every slightly different trout. Um, but in many cases, what's happening now is we're finding out that a lot of times they are actually different. There so might be the, something in it. These yeah. old synonyms are actually valid species yeah, so they've been resurrected and yeah we get this um, I mean it's not it's not too difficult in sort of southern Europe when you have you know, isolated they didn't have a ice age um, ice sheets down there so they would have been 
things that have been fairly well separated. So you can, you know, some the trout in one river in France or something is different to one in Spain, and there's a it's, they have a longer history of being separated. But up in so I say in the in the north in the UK, this evolution has happened very quickly. Yeah, which is very interesting because you kind of assume that all this like you know evolution happens in other places, happens in yeah. the tropics. It happens here, but it we happens here it. Yeah, super yeah. fast because yeah. these are new habitats that have effectively been created yeah. in the last you know hundred thousand years. So and evolution is just like just going for it now and producing yeah. loads of new new animals, and they're all and what what we see in the in sort of fairly deeper history is all of the sort of the messy bits all the intermediate forms all the different populations stuff. eventually they you know one by one they go extinct and you're left with just a little sort of what's sort of been filtered yeah and you have like the the cream managed to su- survive and through you know luck or sort of you know evolutionary um, adaptations that suit their environment and let them you know let them survive in a sort of Darwinian sense and you get those you get those ones that have survived and that's what you see and it's kind of it, it looks it, it, it's easier to, to sort yeah and to categorise things when you can see that you know all the mess is gone and you're just left with different things that look quite different to each other but when you've got all these events happening at the time and you're seeing all these different types of fish all these different forms morphs appearing to fill these different habitat niches then it becomes yeah, very it's difficult. So there's no right or wrong answer. So people who, no, you know, it's okay. just we're just putting names on basically on populations that have their own individual evolutionary history, and that's entirely up to us to decide what what, what that is. So you've got a couple of specimens out already, mm. and it's sort of a not an impossible task because you've got so many things. But I think we're on the same wavelength because I was secretly hoping you would pick this fish, and you've you've read my mind. So. We've got two specimens in jars here. Can you just describe what they are? So, two specimens. One was collected in 1907. One was collected in 1908. And it kind of, if you look, if you, um, if you look at them and, and you sort of, you showed someone who didn't know all that much about fish, you think it kind of looks like a, or they know a little bit about fish. You say it looks like a haddock, yeah, or a cod. But this one was collected in Thetford in Norfolk. This one was collected in River Ouse in Kings Lynn, also in um, in Norfolk, I think, or maybe Cambridge. In Cambridge, King Lynn's Norfolk, no, Norfolk, Norfolk, yeah. Norfolk. Yeah. So, yeah. So you got these. Um, these sort of like cod-like fish, collected from um, collected from East Anglia in the sort of turn of the twentieth um, century. So, what are they? So they these are. Obviously, you know what they are because you're. I'm, I've got them. a clue. I've got a clue. Yeah, they're they're, they're burbot. Yeah, they <laughs> they're um, so the and so these are British burbot that were swimming around in in an English river, yep. um, you know, a little over a hundred years ago, and now they're in a jar. So, do yeah. you know the story behind them? Do you know how they got here? No, you don't. Um, there <laughs> okay. may be there may be some extra information. It's all of. There's only so much one man can know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we have a we have a database and we have. Um, written records of a lot of specimens that yeah. come in we have a, a big we have these big books of all the I mean it's all it's all done digitally now on on, um, on our database but historically there's a big big book and you'd, and you'd write down write the details of the, the collection in the book sometimes they write a lot of information yeah and other times sometimes they write and there's nothing here you go so, take these um, there might be a little bit more information associated with these in the book so the one on the left which is the 
the one from the FET. This is the bigger of the specimens. And what, what would you say? I mean, certainly over a pound, isn't it? I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. What would you reckon? Closer to two? Oh, maybe three. Three? Okay, let's okay, go for I'm, it. I'm always... <laughs> it's it's a big, chunky. it's a big, yeah, it's a chunky old, chunky you know, chunky there. fish. Um, you won't be disappointed if you caught that. No, 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 it's amazing looking what thing. I do know it was presented by, um, is that a Mrs? Mrs. T. Wright. Oh. I miss it, sorry, I missed her. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm the, dyslexic on the best today, so um, you're, <laughs> you're on your own. Is, um, it's, it's difficult yeah. to read, but um, yeah. So we we do know where it was caught. It, where where it was caught. I mean, you who? I say, oh no, this is purchased, not presented. So someone uh, someone sold this to the museum. Uh, okay. a lot of, it doesn't so much happen anymore because like novel fish don't have a huge amount of value these days. No, 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 no. Um, but in but back in the day, it was quite common for you know for fish or, or animal dealers to exist there was a lot of really would just be there's a market for it. Yeah. yeah just go out and find specimens and sell them to museums and um yeah so a lot of our specimens were collected well Bought. presented yeah. purchased by dealers it's, well, it still happens in paleontology yeah oh, i bet so it does got a yeah. huge yeah, yeah, yeah. business and like a lot of um the paleontology curators will be out you know buying buying specimens that they think um will be valuable to the museum. We don't do that in fish. Um, most, no. most of the, the fish that come here are, are donations or we collect them ourselves. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're incredible. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd ever really see a this? British bird, but hopefully we'll have to wait too much longer for it to see a live yeah, one. This here. one came from the Fishmongers Company. The, oh, that's... Uh, yeah, um, the Guild of Fishmongers in the... Um, that's in London, isn't it? Is that the Tower London, Bridge? No, yeah, London Bridge? London Bridge, yeah. Bridge, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow, okay. So, so, yeah, so, so we've had a long relationship with them, with them over the years. Yeah, I bet you have. And they've given us a lot of um, specimens that have been that have come across their way. They're quite mottled, aren't they? This really, this one's very I mean, mottled. Yeah, yeah. there's quite a variation in coloration. So I say that often fish tend to go very beige, but this one, this one's kept its. Yeah, to say it's over a hundred years old, I, I would say yeah. they're in. They're both in pretty good, yeah, pretty good nick. But that's amazing to to this see one has them. A few spots on its yeah on its back. So wow. these are the these were. The, some of the last verifiable specimens. Um, yeah, we were talking we about this specimen. earlier, weren't we? Yeah, like we 1979, maybe? But the, the thing is, if you... It, it becomes very difficult to authenticate claims of, yeah. of Berbers, even photographs. You know, it's, you think nowadays people are... You know, it's easy to fake photographs of fish now with you know, sort of AI and, and, and Photoshopping and things. But it was just as you know, it was just as popular back then, and people could have you know, in the in the seventies could have just taken a picture on a holiday in Sweden, probably, um, or the USA, and oh, just get a picture of this bird that I just caught. Let's just just wind a few people up in the UK, and <laughs> and, and, and yeah, you've you've no way of knowing. But there's been some relatively you know, sort of plausible so, claims. It, it seems from the from the information that around 1970 was the yeah. The last. So although it might seem gruesome killing the fish and, and pickling it, it, you can confirm what it is. You know, there's a reasonably good chance that's from the UK. I mean, I suppose now you could even do genetic tests, can't you? Oh, yeah. So even if you were paranoid about someone bringing it in, you could do a test on it. Like, well, we know someone, that this is from... In fact, the... someone has actually done that. Oh, have they? Um, I don't know who. I can't remember. Before my time, but... What, Tom was... Worthington, by any yeah, chance, is it? It could have been. Yeah. So there's a little... Um, Oh yeah, he's got a chunk a just behind his fin missing. Behind his fin. Yeah. So someone's obviously taken a little bit a of DNA it. sample at some point. Yeah. For that very purpose. Um, so I mean, there's no reason to doubt that in 1907 these no. would have been 
these been that would that would make you know, sense unauthentic specimens. But as you as we got a bit later on and people started realizing that burbot were rare and special, then it was more chance of some sort of hoaxes and yeah. Hoaxes. There's always someone looking for five minutes of, uh, five of minutes fame, of isn't it? And the angler in me. So I wasn't expecting to see this today. So what is the other thing that you've that you've popped out for us to ah, see? So any carp anglers that are listening will be more more than familiar with Clarissa who was, I think I could be wrong but I probably the first carp that got a name I, I, that would make sense yeah, I, I don't know of any earlier than that, I know, I'm sure there are some carp fishing historians that would know like Bob the carp or something before <laughs> that <laughs> better, someone may have called, <laughs> but I think she sort of kicked off the, the let's give carp names trend yeah. which has sort of died yeah. not, not died at all it's ever ever more popular now. So, so Clarissa, give you some some history on her. I'm just opening a, opening a little pot. So this is not all of Clarissa that's here. Just a very very small part of her. So she was I'm just reading the label in here. So out of the way. She was caught in 1952 at Red Pool, the very famous um, carp venue on the Welsh border, um, by Richard Walker, Dick Walker, as as everyone knows, and she weighed 44 pounds. 19 kilos big fish she's an absolutely gorgeous fish one of the leany strain of um, of common carp that were very that grew very large and were particularly attractive and very popular around the time and still are and then yeah she was transferred subsequently to London Zoo Aquarium where she I think she lost a fair bit of weight there apparently okay she was not as big not getting as many boilies down yeah, there no, no, no <laughs> as many boilies and um, yeah, she lost a bit of weight and then died in, in October 1981. And then... They're long-lived there. Well, carp are long-lived, aren't they? Long lived, yeah, Because yeah. she would have been a fair age, I would think, when... when um, oh yeah, 44 Chris pound Chris Yates caught it, wasn't it? Was it Chris Yates that got her? Was it someone else? Dick Walker, the Dick Walker. Oh, then, sorry, you did say it, yeah. I think... They did, no, Chris Yates wouldn't have caught her subsequently, would he? Because that would have been... Because it got moved. Straight but he fished too. Redmire and got the record after him, didn't he? Sorry, I'm... 52 I'm, pounds. That's it, I'm mixing them up. Sorry, I, I'll slap myself on the wrist for any anglers shouting at their... Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure their, he probably would have caught the offspring of yeah, Clarissa, that's yeah, for sure. And they're probably still in, the, still in the lake now. Yeah. Um, hopefully she can, lives, I, uh, she can, I, can I touch the... Hmm, can so I these are... Wow. These are just the pharyngeal jaws, or pharyngeal jaws, and, and basically the throat teeth. So they're quite large. They are. So they're base for, so to kind of describe them to people, they're a little bit like molars, aren't mm. they? I guess so. Exactly. That presumably is the same purpose. They're crunching, yeah. Yeah. whatever yeah. kind of snails and stuff. So, yeah. Imagine and crave. They probably didn't have that many crave. Well, no. maybe crayfish in there, but yeah, wow. crunching up swell mussels, crayfish, anything in. hard and sort of processing. Put that back very gently. <laughs> I don't want to be the person that destroyed Clarissa's oh. teeth. So well, this yeah, we we ended up with Clarissa's teeth, but the rest of where well, the rest of Clarissa ended up is a little bit of a mystery. Um, I'm sure some people out there know. Apparently she ended up, she was stuffed and mounted and was in a London tackle shop okay. for a while, but where she is now... Oh, so, so she know. got stolen, you think, or sold? No, no, or I no. think probably sold. Oh, okay, so she's, it's, not, it's not too cloak and dagger then, it's just... I don't know, honestly. It was, um, okay. Yeah, That's be. some research for someone listening. Find out yeah. what happened to Clarissa. I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's, I'm been sure written, it's out there. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, very very famous carp. Yeah, so maybe, maybe they were just sort of taken off the off of display to yeah. obviously prevent being stolen, kept in safekeeping. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. When she was mounted, obviously the um, yeah they would have taken up most of the insides, obviously to do the 
do yeah. the taxidermy correctly. And so this is this is this is all we've, yeah, yeah, yeah. all we've ended up with. Um, it, it always surprises me when you see fish skeletons when. Um, I think, is it primarily, oh, I suppose lots of fish have pharyngeal teeth, don't they? But cyp yeah, cyprinids, yeah. they're quite yeah. pronounced. I know like mm. if you see on a chub, mm. it always surprises me because they're quite predatory, mm. like, a, they're like a dagger, as opposed mm. to that's more like a molar. Yeah, these look just like, very much like human molars, these. If you took that off and you put that on a table and said to someone, you know, that's, that, <laughs> I coughed that up a minute ago, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you know, you, that could be from a, a, a slightly... Smooth. deformed person yeah, just <laughs> but, yeah, but, um, milk, milk tooth from a yeah, child but that is incredible that carp carp have those it's strange, it's almost looks like a kind of barnacle that one that one looks very it does flat. yeah 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 really flat it's obviously been sort of ground down over the years of um, I, I don't know what they fed her at London Zoo but probably wasn't wasn't a I don't know yeah natural natural diet but they are big they are, they're, they're amazing child, child's tooth sized they're abs yeah they're absolutely that's incredible. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that today. I did. I did. I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew that you did have them, but yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't put. Two I've, I've never. Actually, I've not seen them myself, so it was quite oh, exciting okay. to go and oh, okay. oh, to go and good. fish them out. And we're very lucky because they're doing some renovation work in there. Oh, got you. And it was kind of. It was out of bounds for a little while. And I managed to sneak <laughs> sneak in and, and get them out. So yeah. Quite, oh, I'm glad you did. It's amazing to see them. To... But they're big. I mean, it's impressive. They are. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a, a carp's pharyngeal teeth. But that's a strange sentence, really, isn't it? But <laughs> <laughs> to anyone else, that would be a strange yeah, sentence. But you can see how, like, yeah, using like boilies is no. Oh yeah, they're going to crunch that. Yeah, no, just, no just, problem, just are they? Crunch them down completely. They're going to have that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, there's so many specimens around us. Are there any other? I'll probably narrow it down to UK specimens, just because if we do worldwide, we'll be here all day. But are there any kind of UK specimens of weird and funky fish that you think? Well, this is very interesting. These are very new ones. Okay. This is this is a very dull fish. It's a Trachurus. <laughs> this is a shad or a scad or a um, yes, yeah, yeah. mackerel. Yeah. I collected this one myself, but this is also the most interesting thing about this specimen. It doesn't look particularly; just looks like a scad. Yeah. But um. This is the first of its species to get its entire genome sequenced. Oh, okay. It's part of the Darwin Tree of Life project to sequence the full, complete genomes of every UK species, which they're very busy. I was going to say, how long is that going to take you? <laughs> taking a while. I mean, yeah. fish, we have a fair few fish to do. Yeah. And they're getting. Well, we were, we were talking about this earlier, weren't we? Because I'm, I'm writing a book at the moment, and we were just saying, like, where do you stop? Mm. When does a fish not become a British fish? Like, how far out to sea, yeah. or how deep do you. Do you stop calling it British, or do you count things that only turn up once or twice? It's such a it's a yeah. minefield, isn't it? It's, it's really hard to do. Yeah, you got to. I mean, you got the, you know, the political ba boundary of you know, what twelve miles. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Then you've got the sort of the more biogeographical boundary of just the edge of the continental shelf. Yeah. When it sort of drops off off the um, off the west coast of Ireland. And I say that I mean probably biogeographically is the most sensible thing. Yeah. But like you say, you get you get immigrants that um, migrants that come up. Yeah. On the um, on the Gulf Stream, on which of which I have a perfect example here. Do you have okay. any idea what that is? That was caught in the okay. UK in Somerset. In Somerset, okay. Is that a not a rock bass, is it? Or um, nope. No. Okay. Um, well, you're putting me to shame, Rupert, because no. I don't, well, I don't know what fish it is. <laughs> Go on, then. What is it? I, I what is it? Struggled to identify. It looks like a tilapia, but it's not a tilapia. It does look exactly like a tilapia. But it's not, is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. This is a triple fin. Oh, okay. Or a triple tail. Triple tail. That makes sense. Yeah. That. Looks. It's got that very. Bit like a pike in a way. Kind of with the fins at the back, I mean. The back bit looks yeah. like a pike, but the rest okay. of it does look. Just no, no. The, like the a tilapia. It does look, yeah, kind oh, of flat. Oh, you're right. 
I was so, I, I, I was very curious when this thing came in. So and, and where's home for this guy then? Where, where are they? Uh, well, if you look at the scientific name, Lobotis surinamensis. Okay. So these are from the Caribbean. Oh wow! So it's the very eastern Atlantic. Right. Was it so alive when it was found? Yeah. All oh, right. So it wasn't wasn't dead and washed up. It no, was no, no, no. This, this living family. its best life, and then someone thought, "Let's chuck it in a jar in the Natural History Museum." <laughs> yeah. No. This case came <laughs> all the way across the Atlantic. Um, I think wow. you do get a few on around sort of the around North Africa. Okay. And this is obviously one of the whether it's come straight from the east coast or whether it's come from a sort of population around North Africa isn't entirely clear. No. But they don't. I think this is only the second one ever recorded in the UK. Wow. Do you know how it was caught? It wasn't rod and line, presumably. It no, was it was on a, uh, I think a shrimp. Shrimp, shrimp net. yeah. Shrimp okay. net. Yeah, that's a new... It's not Relatively right. recently, this was... Um, yes, yeah, so we only registered it in November here, and it was collected. It's all the information from the label. 2019, yeah. Um, collected, yeah, so September and October are always the months where we get interesting fish. Because the sea's warmest. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then they come up on the, on the Gulf Stream. And here we go, here's another one. We've got this... Um, Oh, what is that? Amberjack. No, was that Corifina? I don't know what that one is. It's an, amber, an amberjack, I think. Chesil Beach. And ah. I get lots of strange stuff from Chesil Beach. Yeah, Chesil does seem to be a bit of a weird fish magnet, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so you see this. So that. Better there. Oh, it's like a. Um, it's almost like a um, dolphin fish, isn't it, in yeah. a way? I don't know if they're the same family. I think it is. I'm getting, getting them mixed up there. Oh well, I'm not. I'm not going to call you out on it. So. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just very quickly check. It does look a really weird looking, really weird looking fish. Very strange looking thing, but yeah, just it is. Just kind of describe it. You've just oh, got. It's a dolphin fish. It is dolphin fish. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah, oh good, well it's 1-1 one, one then isn't it? Yeah, you, you got, <laughs> I didn't know that one but I knew that one. So we, we got a dolphin fish turned up in the UK, that's incredible. Yeah. That's absolutely them. incredible. Yeah. You're not going to believe this, what that thing is. Is that a bass? Yeah. Jesus Christ, it's fucking massive. <laughs> that, that, the, it does, the, the jar adds some I size. I mean, yeah, you could put a saddle on that. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell out. That was... Uh, does it have a weight on it? So it says Isle of Wight, November 2007. Um, that would have been the record at that point. British angling record. Well, so that's the record. Thing. Jesus. Well, it's been broken since, but that is... That's enormous. Yeah. Bloody hell, I've not got a bass anywhere near that. That's huge. I mean, pound bass is a big fish. I mean, I'm trying to describe... I mean, I'm, I, it's got to be what? Yeah. Three foot? Bigger than least, that? Longer than that? At least a metre. That's a beast of a bass. The, the, My this, God. Yeah, the, the, across the back, it's a good... God, I think I'd shit myself if I caught that. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and then we've that's, got... We've that's got, ridiculous. Imagine if you caught that thing. That was from Cornwall. Oh, what? Is it a bar barracuda? Is that a barracuda? Yeah. yeah we've got barracuda in the UK. Well... But what? We had one. <laughs> there, was, there was one. Wow. 2003. Six miles off the lizard, southwest of Cornwall. I mean, surely, like with with ago. with climate change, stuff like this is is going to become the norm, isn't it? Like a lot more. Yeah. When, when you look at you know, not even that far away, you look at the sea life you get around Brittany, mm. Bay of Biscay, it's it's quite different to what we get. It's not going to take long, is it, for stuff to make its way up here, is it? Yeah, we've been getting lots lots of two banded sea brims. 
Oh yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, I have heard of those. Um, Loads. They've been have. turning up more, have they? Yeah, there have been very few of them in the sort of reported you know, historically in the collection. And now, in the last couple of years, we've had dozens. And obviously, really? anglers are collecting, catching them a lot. Yeah. And every time they catch one, they obviously break the record. Yeah, of course. So again, I mean, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of record claims. So but the record claims come here for that verification. That was it. You just, you just reminded me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So we don't deal with the freshwater fish so much. More the marine side okay. of things. So. Well, there's more records, we, I guess. Isn't yeah, it? we try yeah. and it's and it's usually the sort of identification problems of people catching weird things and things that are not. Um, well, when you get into like bream and wrasse and stuff like that, they're they're a nightmare, aren't they? But but the LRF kind of community, these light light rock fishermen, they're getting pretty good at species hunting and knowing what's what. So I guess that's quite helpful, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, yeah. People, it's, um, it's but. To get the record, I think you need you need independent confirmation of the species. You need a witness. Because I, I was the record witness for someone oh. for the British record stickleback. No. Yeah. That's so my my I know I know out of all the things I've done in my career, <laughs> that's the one that'll be on my gravestone. A friend stickleback witness. Yeah, a friend. We were fishing for crucians, and my friend caught a three-spined stickleback. And he was just about to chuck it back. I went, "That's the biggest stickleback I've ever seen." It was about three inches long, probably. Wow. And um, and he's like, "Oh, really?" And he, so he drove home, got his kitchen scales weighed it and it weighed the same as a pound coin so I think that was nine grams because wow. we put a pound coin on the scales put the stickle back on the scales and he said should I claim that one yeah go for it why not so I was his witness it took him a couple of months but he did get it so he's, he's down there Matt Faulkner his name is if you google uh, record stickleback holder it was him and I and I was a witness wow. for it wow yeah. that that's outstanding catching yeah I, I caught an absolutely huge um, sand smelt once Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen those so before. I don't yeah. know where, what the record for that. Well, one is. mini mini species records must get broken all the time mm. because either anglers don't know any different or they can't be asked going for the rigmarole. But I, I'm guessing like giant ble- uh, well, giant gobies or big blennies or maybe even big yeah. gudgeon. I don't know. People are like yeah, just throwing it back. So mm. they, they probably get caught more more regularly than yeah, people yeah. realise. Yeah, people just need to yeah, go through all the hassle of getting yeah, the I guess people, scales checked. It's probably because people don't want all the fame and fortune and, and you know all the, all the people knocking on the door from, from the attention of being a British record holder. I'm, I would do I'm it. Sure, <laughs> I'm sure that's the thing. Yeah. I have, one thing I've not noticed yet is sharks. Have you, we, we must have some sharks in here. Many, many sharks. Okay, many sharks. let's have a... Let, let's have, have a, some great white shark jaws. Just oh, wow. These allegedly are the... Uh, one of the pairs of jaws that Peter Benchley of Jaws fame um, came to examine while he was researching for his book. Wow. He came around and, you know... That is huge. Some, <laughs> got a real visceral idea of, of, of what it would be like to be chomped on by one of these animals. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know about it for long, would you? I think no. it would be a pretty... What, what's your thoughts on... I always ask people this, but what, what's your thoughts on Great Whites in the UK? Do you reckon we... Very, very, very disappointed to... So we did a big study on using environmental DNA to detect shark species in the UK off the south coast. Okay. So we detected lots of different sharks. Yeah. All the ones that you'd that you'd think and you'd yeah. expect to be there. Blues and stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We had blue shark. Not, not too many. And poor beagles and uh, lots of rays. Um, dogfish, of course. So it was really interesting and it was really successful in terms of what we did find. But what we didn't find was any great whites, which yeah. I was very sad about because I thought it would be my 15 minutes of fame <laughs> that I get to. But we only sampled, you know, for one, you know, it was one year. And so, in, only in one place. It was just yeah. around Plymouth. So, you know. so chances are, if we have them, they're probably a very, very rare migrant yeah. sort of thing. I would not be surprised at all if one... No, they I should They should be here by all accounts. No one's... Yeah, it's more surprising that they aren't here, isn't exactly, it? Yeah. That That's more the... 
more the case. So there's a reason they're not hearing any numbers, and it's obviously, yeah, most likely it's... Well, they're pretty rare, aren't food. they? Isn't it something like... I, I'm sure I read the, the total numbers. There's only like 3,000 of them, or yeah. something like There aren't yeah, many, a so... Huge number, and they'll, off, they'll congregate in places where there's really good food, you know, yeah, okay. California and um, South Africa. But other places, they're, they're still there. They're just not... Is that the record grayling? That's a huge grayling. That is another absolutely... That's a stonking grayling. The Earl of Dulcie. This, we do have graylings from other countries, of course. Okay. Something but that like, is an absolutely monster grayling. There's a in the bottom there. Yeah. These, that's an absolute beast. I mean, um, again, that's what? Like... Over two feet. This over two foot grayling. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a bloody big grayling. Be very careful... Oh God! Let's. There's a letter written in the bottom. Okay. The really exciting <laughs> bit about this is you sometimes find really, really interesting notes that people put in the jars. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, oh, I, but it, it. These are not the I know of jars the, to manipulate. They're quite. If you listen to it. That's thin, isn't it? That is thin. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not gonna. I don't want a face full of grayling. Any other day, I'd be up for that, but. Um, because yeah. the record grading got broken recently, so I don't think it's the current record. Oh, but it does say R test, which must be River Test. Ah, so that is a British grading then. I think so. I can't yeah. read the whole. Note. There's a load of details. There. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and they look like char next to it. Are they char? Uh, yes, yes, they are. Yeah, Willoughby Eye. I mean, to be so fair, these, these are from Windermere. This is from the, yeah, Windermere. Oh god, well, I mean, it's, I'm surprised if there's any char left. If you've seen the state of Windermere at the minute, it's basically yeah. kind of green, isn't it? Ooh. With all the um, pollution, I mean, to be fair, we could probably do a four-hour podcast of just going from going from tank to tank. Going, oh, look at that! Oh, look at that! Let's well, let's end on. Um, so we mentioned sharks. Let's let's have a look at a. Have we got a UK shark in a in a tank somewhere? What have we got? Got some more carp. Carp. Oh, carp. Who's bothered about carp? Right. Uh, God, it is just. I just don't know where to look because it's just. Um, that looks like a, a little bit like a shad there. I don't know if that is a shad. What is that? Oh, that's a milkfish. A milkfish? Shanos, that's an Asian Oh, is it? Okay. Asian Maybe it's in the same family, perhaps. Um, no. No? Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm trying to pretend that I know what I'm on about. Um, ah, I like these. We've got these some rays. My, these are some of my favourites. This is... Oh, it's another record. Oh, is that the cat... Cat. They've just catfish. opened it back up, haven't you? Is that right? That you can, I, you can maybe not you personally, but you. Um, we don't do the freshwater stuff so much here. So no, but really yeah, you can. I think. Well, whoever decides the freshwater, because for years and years they they stopped the record because people kept importing cats mm. in. But because we've had catfish for so long now, they're sort of happy with that they can get to big sizes in the UK. Yeah, so, so I think it's now one, been reopened. So it's one of the older older ones. This is from Tree Reservoir. Doesn't say which one. Okay. Wilston, I guess. But the um, yeah. Um, do we have a date? Sometimes the dates are really helpfully hidden on a piece of card that's inside the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't see Amazing looking thing. Date on it, but yeah, it's a big old specimen. That's a good. It is. What's well, cat catfish are monsters, aren't they? Is that forty pounds? Probably, yeah. When, when it's got its belly on it and yeah. and whatnot, they are they are incredible. Yeah, aren't so they? this has been this been descendant of some of the original stock. Yeah, of course. So I think the. the Woburn, Woburn Abbey was the first, first location that's, that the Zandrum yeah. Wells were introduced. That's and right, yeah. Spread to local, um, local reservoirs. Of course, yeah. The, the, um, I mean, they're in, they're in uh, my local River Trent now. So I mean, no, they're, they're, they're in a, they're in a few rivers now, now, which we don't really want. 
So Torpedo ray there, wow. Ah, yeah, so we're getting towards yeah. the, the shark. We're getting shark here, aren't we? So this is more... Some, um, Ooh, some sawfish. Yeah, 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 wow. Rather cookie cutter sharks, oh, yeah. We got some cookie cutter. Wow, got a goblin. Is that a goblin that shark? That's a goblin shark. My god, Indeed. yeah. This, I'm just going through my kind of ladybird book of sharks from when I was five, mm. trying to remember all the weird looking ones. Oh, no, it's not a goblin, it's a chimera. A chimera, oh wow. Yeah, we, have, we do have a goblin shark over there, but you can see where I was coming from, yeah, can't you? Because it's got a big pointy nose. Okay, exactly. all right, then. There was method to my madness. No, it does. Look, I, mean, I thought it was one, okay. Initially, but no, that's a chimera. Um, tiger fish are my favorites. Oh wow. They're piranha family? Uh, piranha order. Order, not okay. The same family, okay. But yeah, okay. so these are yeah, the African. Distant, distant cousins. Distant, relatively distant cousins. Okay. Not, not too far away. No. Same order, but they're from yeah, the African, African side. These, unfortunately, very sad, are Chinese paddlefish, which are now extinct. Yeah, I, that wasn't that long ago either, was no, it? It was quite recent, a couple of years ago, I think. In the, um, that was in the news, which is very sad. So, one of the benefits of the collection is that you know, we have extinct. And like the burbot from the eagle. I mean, yeah. the burbots are not ex in the technical term. It's extirpated. Yeah. The um, so we have burbots globally. So they're not terribly rare globally, but in the UK they're extirpated, and that's not exactly the same as being extinct. No, extinct but it's still important it's, for like genetics and, and yeah. We can use the collections to take you know DNA samples from these older extinct. These are actually extinct. These these Chinese paddlefish. Yeah, that's there incredible. are no, no living ones left. Um, so we've got porgy heads here. Are these poor, poor beagles? Are they? Yes. Well, that looks maybe a mako. I don't know. Yeah, I might be a, wrong. We have a mixture. Yeah. Right here. Okay. Did I get it right? Uh -huh, yes. Lamnanassus is the lower stuff that came from. Bloody hell! That was a very lost mako. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, that's if that was swimming at me, I would. That's yeah, a poor beagle, isn't it? Must be. Cack my pants, I think. But, um, uh, oh no, no yeah, same poor beagle. Oh, that. Yeah, they're both poor beagles. No, they're both poor beagles, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, it's not on me. Oh, uh, okay. I think the mouth, the mouth tricked me a little bit. <laughs> um, well, any any um, sturgeon here from the UK? You got any sturgeon records? We have Stanley the sturgeon. Stanley. <laughs> Which was? Um, do you remember Stanley the Surgeon? No, I don't. Who's Stanley? Should I, should I know Stanley the Surgeon? It may have been a good twenty years ago. Now it seems like it wasn't that long ago. There was a, a sturgeon um, cropped up. I think it was in, it was in Wales, South Wales. Okay. It was a very very big sturgeon, and obviously the sturgeons belonged at that point to the Queen, and so there was lots of legal sort of umming and ahhing and. The, question of who the sturgeon actually belonged to and the people that caught the sturgeon were trying to you know not break the law and the people that were selling this it was, it was complicated as the actual <laughs> you know, custodianship of the sturgeon at the time but eventually things got sorted out and the specimen made its way here ah. so is stanley in a jar or is he in a box so stanley will be in one of these big steel tanks All okay this sort of which we, we see we can, we're looking at the fish in the jars because obviously we can see them yeah but the um we also have a large. The, the really big specimens are in the jar. Unfortunately, we can't open. Uh, are in the, the tanks. No, we can't actually open them. Because the the pulley winch, system. The pulley is, yeah, the yeah, winch yeah. system is currently um, in the wrong part of the room to no. open the okay. tank. Otherwise, I'd love to show you inside one of them. But this is where the really big stuff is. So these tanks yeah. are good. There's, and there's a fair few of those dotted around yeah, with some sort of three or four big specimens. Long. And so Stanley is in one of these in one wow. of these tanks. But the very interesting thing about Stanley is that it's not a British sturgeon. All right. And that was caught in Britain. 
So what was so it? We, so we have a European species of sturgeon. Yeah. Which everyone just assumed it was one of those. And they're, they're very rare, but they are present in, in I think, they're, um, one of the French rivers. The Garoyne. Yes. Or Garoyne. Yes. Yeah. So there's a population there that's still still around. But we just thought, people just, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those. It's obviously, yeah, it's migrated its way up here from, mm. from France. You know, this is all great, and everyone's happy to have Stanley here. <laughs> well, <laughs> no longer alive. It turned out they did some DNA work on Stanley, and it was not a European stand, sturgeon at all. It was actually an American sturgeon. Very lost sturgeon. All the way across the Atlantic. Wow. Yeah, but otherwise they look very, very similar. Yeah, because is it the Atlantic sturgeon Atlantic they have over sturgeon, there? So, yeah. And they are similar, aren't they? Yeah. So that's incredible. Yeah, so Stanley's in one of these tanks. Good old Stanley. Currently. But he was, yeah, he was, a, he was very famous at the time. This was good, yeah, more than 20 years ago, I think. No, I didn't. I, have to go, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, I think there's some pictures on, online of, of, of this event. I mean, it was yeah. all over the papers and it was wow. a, quite a big deal. I bet. Discovered these. Well, I mean, I, I could stay here all day and, and chat with people. I'm, I'm assuming that you have, uh, I've got work to do at some point, so we should probably wrap up. But look, it's been an absolute pleasure to look around and this is even we're just walking past a lot of reptiles now which is my other great hobby and interest oh, so um, you, I, you know I am like a kid in a candy shop but, <laughs> but yeah look thanks for taking the time to show me around this, this has been incredible that was Rupert Collins at the Natural History Museum that was amazing I absolutely found that fascinating some of the specimens well I mean I, I had a an inkling that Rupert might show me some Berbert so to see Berbert in those tanks, uh, they're, they're kind of like tubes more than tanks, but really, really fascinating. I didn't think I'd get to see actual British Berbert, let alone uh, Clarissa's teeth. Now, again, if you're not an angler, you won't know the significance of that, but Clarissa was a, a record carp, and he's kind of known in angling literature as a, as a legend. So to be able to actually hold her teeth was um, was incredible. So yeah, that was that was amazing. And all the other weird stuff. I mean, I, I could spend all day in there. I'm sure there's loads of stuff that um, we didn't even get into, which was which was just incredible. Now, I mentioned that I would share a YouTube video with you all. So I did one recently on the waxwing eruption. I'm sure many of you, if you're into your wildlife, will know that there has been a large increase in waxwings in the UK at the moment. And I headed out to Hassop Station near Bakewell, which has had over 300 waxwings turning up. So I got my camera, got my camera gear, went and had a look, and went to film them. There's a link in the description if you want to watch that, or you can go onto my YouTube channel, Chasing Scales, you can find it on there. I actually get recognised, which is really weird. Um, I was walking along and some guy went, are you, you know, thought he knew who I was. I was like, oh, do I owe you money? No, and it was um, it was a guy who'd seen the YouTube channel, so that was really nice, actually. And that, we caught that on camera, so you can watch, you can watch me being very, uh, very bashful as someone recognises me. Speaking of YouTube, I've also got a YouTube live coming up. So I used to do these kind of semi-regular, I haven't done one for ages, but if you want to join me on YouTube live, 21st of March, 2024, at half six, I'm going to be on YouTube live. Any of your questions that you want to answer, well, you won't answer them, I'll answer them. Um, join me at that. I'll probably have a little uh, a beer or a whiskey or something as well. And we're just going to be talking about the YouTube channel, the podcast, um, some of the projects I've got coming up, just a kind of informal chat between uh, me and you guys. So if you want to join me, that is the 21st of March at half six, and you can join me for a YouTube Live. Now, next week, I am joined by Nicola Morris. She is a staff member of the RSPB, but she's better known for her wild swimming. She's an incredible wild snorkeler, 
and I thought it'd be really interesting to talk to someone else who goes in rivers about what they see, and she's found some pretty unusual stuff, um, and how they do it, permissions, etc., all that good stuff. So, join me next week for that. This has been the Bearded Tits Podcast. I've been your host, Jack Perks, and I'll see you next Tuesday. Cheers. <laughs>